Hi, welcome to season four of Better Red Than Dead, a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today, kicking off three episodes on the new journalism to start the season, we are going to be talking about the White Album, which is Joan Didion's 1978 volume of essays on the 60s and all kinds of other things she hates. And she hates a lot of things, but she likes fancy girl crap. (laughs) So I wanted to read Joan Didion or suggested, I guess. Um, (laughs) While there are a lot of things I dislike about Didion, every time I read her, I feel lots of feelings and have reflections. Like in my other for real academic life, I've been thinking about atmospheric sickness a lot for very different reasons than this book and with a very different literary context. But the affect that is sick is one that Didion totally nails. I love the part of this book where they do a Rorschach on her and they're like, it shows that you're depressed. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, that yeah. sounds sounds right to me. Mm-hmm. So Didion does something kind of in spite of herself for me. She like, she reminds us that feeling down is a side effect of capital and also things that are trying to rescue us from it or provide us a break. Like music does not ever feel like a break from the depressive mode of capital. But she also, and this sucks, like she also thinks politics are bad, like all of them, mm. like all of them. Very bad. And also there's like a way of developing false consciousness. There's something here that's 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 like makes you stupid if you give a shit yes i mean it like <laughs> uh i'll get into this but i mean it did feel like the most fucking pig-headed gen xer like you know empathy is the only like real emotion in the world you know it's like well, all right you gotta all be right, an fine. adult man like yeah. your parents were bro. you care about things that's dumb you know but, it's like... for babies that's shit for babies <laughs> well and it's like that i hate that people are like that's irony and i'm like no it's fucking not like no, that's not irony at all that's just being a shithead <laughs> that's just being a shithead and it's like yeah I, i'm mad it's fine so it's yeah that's bad and also, like, she's a misanthrope. So I, it's not like I'm more forgiving because of that, but it gives me more room or something. This stuff is just incredibly bleak. And bleak is a position that's, like, not maybe possible without the sense of break that capital inculcates. And it's so present here. So, like, I'm not quite sure what she's doing Except that she's she doesn't care that late capital is what puts us into the break, but it's making me have interesting thoughts, and so that's why I wanted to read it and why I care. So, Katie, well, the reason I wanted to read it is because I knew about all the cool classics like back in the USSR. I wanted to be there. I wanted to do the Abbey Road crossing. I wanted to go in a yellow submarine. Uh, obladi, you know, all the rest of it. And then I found out that this was a book and that this is a book podcast and it was a little disappointing for a minute, but then I read the book and I was upset and that was a different emotion to feel. And it's important to have variety in life. This, I actually mentioned that, uh, I was reading this, uh, to a family member and, uh, she said, why it's so depressing. And <laughs> And in and insisted that next time we'll do we'll do a fun one. And um, I said, sure. Uh, way cheesy. What's on deck? <laughs> we do fun. We do yeah. fun books all the yeah. time. Yeah. We do 
plenty of fun ones. But Joan Joan Didion does have some some overlap with the with the White Album, the Beatles White Album, because um, she has some ideas about why we don't do it in the road, which is which is has something to do with um, the loss of sexuality or some such. And um, I hope we can ex- explore that a bit more. I guess I wasn't quite expecting it to be so straightforwardly what what it is. For example, one Just like idea. One- Long book of negs. This is what, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, like I mean, that is kind of cool, right? But like, yeah. it, it, it's like it's it's ambient negging. It's just like negging the world and humanity. Yeah. And um, I wonder what kind of and a feather hope. boa you have to wear to do that. Yeah, yeah. You have to wear silk shift dresses from I Magnet or whatever, and like be forty nine pounds. That may be that may be the key. Uh, that may be the ticket. No, speaking of speaking of forty nine pounds, though, um, reading this brought to mind Jonathan Edwards, <laughs> because <laughs> segue segue, um, because to me when I was reading this, I just it, like this this hope like humans are flawed. There's nothing we can do, and any any society we make is going to be as bad as we are. So because individualism is the base of it, so there's like a tired sadness as opposed to just complete and utter sublime fear of hell and judgment. And when you take out the sublime from the Calvinist sublime, it just turns out to be real liberal depression hours. Except I will say for the part where she talks about Jim Morrison putting out a match on his leather clad balls. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, that that was cool. As was her as was her ripping on a live laugh love house blessing. Well, she wasn't ripping on it. She was imagining it in a murder scene and that's um I th- probably would cut that out. I think we cut that. <laughs> I just think we'd leave that on the cutting room floor. Um but to 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 uh, final thought to wrap it up. The one thing that really stuck with me I guess from this most of all was when she talks about um she's talking about feminism and and the the, prob- the problem with feminism is, and we'll get into this more, but one part of that is she thinks that it's bad, the women's movement's bad because, like, somebody stuck marks in a blender with a bored housewife and, like, kaboom, we got the women's movement. And yeah. and uh, that that's... It's a very good faith argument all around. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, but it was generative. Uh, so, you know, yeah, for, for me personally... Something. No. <laughs> it was generative of our game. <laughs> I'm looking forward, but uh, yeah, I also read this to my to a family member, my my four year old son, because he's been very into what I'm reading. Uh, so I, I've been reading, you know, a, I've been reading Capital, uh, you know, duh, and uh, and so after we read his, and he you know, loves kids, it. Kids books, he's like, want to read Karl Marx? It's like excellent. Yes, that is so cool. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, he, he put, you know, just listening to, to my kind of monotone, it puts him to sleep. But, you know, so, like, well, hey, let's try this. And he's like, yeah, he was Joan Didion. Okay. And I'm reading along. I'm like, I'm going to skip this paragraph about the Manson family. And I'm going to skip this paragraph about Jim Morrison putting a match out on his balls. <laughs> so that was, that was fun. But, but, but he likes it. And actually, it did keep him up awake longer than uh, Marx does. So that, you know, I, that says something, I guess. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. Um, Here is why 800 sheep equal 40 pounds of linen <laughs> equals the entirety of your working life. You have absorbed all your time. 
have yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's a capital is a it's a it's an important read. I wouldn't say that it's a fun read. So yeah, uh, I haven't read Diddy in a long time, and really not much at all, which is kind of shameful for someone who's been interested in the new journalism, at least since I was in college. And yeah, I'm a former reporter over here and everything, which I, I say next week. And I know that because we already recorded the episode. So like, yeah, behind the veil, (laughs) eat eat some edibles and ponder that one, uh, dear (laughs) listeners. (laughs) Time is a flat circle. (laughs) Time is a flat circle. Yeah. We have advanced knowledge of the podcast future uh, on the show. Uh, one reason I'm really inter- interested in the new journalist beyond all the really fraught questions about the ethics or even like possibility of the nonfiction novel is who doesn't love talking about the 1960s? You know, we're just going to we're going to get to own boomers all over the place. But here's the thing. Didion isn't even a boomer. She's silent generation and she has some pretty fucking reactionary claims in here about what that means. Like these weird generational things, which we'll get into. And, I mean, hey, look, again, I. I think it's somewhat fashionable in some left circles to like dunk on the counterculture um, and it, it, fine. There's a lot of politically great and really important stuff that happened in the 1960s. Sure. I mean, it's fine to dunk on hippies always. It is always time to dunk on hippies. And there is like hey, chill, a real, man. It's cool. Real. I mean, so the new left is one thing, as we've talked about, you know, several times on the show, the fucking like libertarian ish aspects of the counterculture or something different that is not like just seamlessly new, new left. No, I totally. Think, it's just know. that people also dunk on the new left. It's fashionable to also dunk on the new left. And that's what I think is yes. like, that's just not doing your fucking reading. I agree. And I, I want to sort of like pull those apart and, and, and insist on what you just said there. Yes, I, I agree. And look, I hate hippies because Oregon, but also like they did bring us weed and nudity. No, they but did. And, and fu- I mean, a fire spinning. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> they bring that blowing. to parties and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, they're like, you know, they're the, the, I basically like, you know, fuck off about like what you want to do with your, you know, like, like drug, sex, all of that. I mean, that's great. That's not an anti-left point at all. I think when like, that is like the sum of your politics and you become deeply skeptical to anything like sort of broader community or that, you know, that that's when it starts to be not great. Well, that's why their communes know, but... fall apart because it turns out that like people don't actually want to be nice to each other. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. if they don't puff puff past your neighbor, then we can't have the community <laughs> that we all deserve. Yeah. But yeah, I know this was fun read, you know, engaging for sure. I mean, Diddy, it's a great writer, which, you know, I that kind of takes me back to like a PhD paper when it's like, this is well written. I'm like, oh, damn, you hated this, right? <laughs> 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 that's the first that's the first comment. Um, and infuriating uh, for the reasons we're starting to lay out. And, you know, like, one interesting thing, Diddy seems to have met literally everyone from the middle of the 20th century. Like the, the first essay, and you know, it's just like, and and I was hanging out with the doors and Ray Manzarek was mad because Morrison was late and then Morrison lit uh, a match on his balls. And then I interviewed Huey Newton in jail and I was BFS with Earl Warren's daughter when I was a teenager. And also I met the Manson family. They were down the street. That was weird. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, but, like, who the fuck are you? Huh? You know, it's Kevin yeah. Bacon. Yeah. She here's the drink, yeah. Janice Joplin. Right. Like, yeah. Joe Didion would, yeah, she Joe Didion would really blow up the the six degrees of Kevin. Sure, she would. But yeah, and uh, the reactionary stuff we'll get to for sure. Like, hey, she's big mad at the carpool lane because it interferes with the quote regional mystery of the freeway, which she absolutely <laughs> means in a religious sense. Like, what the fuck? Um, Have you read Play as it lays? 
No, okay, I haven't. You ha- I mean, this kind of, like, I, I'm not defensive about it, but I'm like, no, she does this shit with the highway that's, like, actually amazing, but that's a bad opinion. Okay, and, and the context of how like, she lays out this particular No, it's totally a bad opinion. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, you know, uh, we'll definitely talk about this essay uh, on the morning after the 60s. I nearly lost my shit. And she basically claims, yeah, did Sila Generation, unlike those dopey kid boomers, we don't believe in anything because believing in stuff is pointless. And it's like, dude... The fucking Black Panthers were silent generation. <laughs> Most of the civil rights movement, the women's movement, Angela Davis is silent generation. So, you know, TLDR, man, there are a lot of right wingers among the new journalists, and I'm not convinced Joe Didion isn't one of them. <laughs> Which is not. Angela Davis was born in the 40s. 42, yes. But the the boom starts 46 or 47. So so Davis is like Davis is like right on the cusp of like boom or silent generation. Yeah. It just seems weird to call that silent generation when you're in your twenties in the 60s well i mean but here's the thing it's like it, you know this is kind of like what we run into with uh with with millennials who are our age mega yeah, yeah, where yeah. it's like i feel like more like you know affinity with um with the uh, uh late gen xers like kind of culturally like in, in terms of music and shit that i do the, the millennials you know but i mean but economically you know, i like, feel a lot in common with millennials <laughs> well yeah of course yeah i know and politically too but as a, as anyway. a millennial Welcome. In whatever way, we welcome yeah. you. <laughs> so, it's the millennium. So, so, I mean, depending on where you want to drive, draw that line, Angela Davis either is or isn't. But regardless, like a fuck of a lot of very politically yeah. dedicated, like rad ass people are, you know, silent generation. So what the fuck is Joe Didion talking about? You know, uh, She's just making she's she's just also like drawing generational lines where they make no sense right so it's like that it's like that radical cutoff that just is like why is it 1981 that's so stupid yeah exactly exactly <gasps> because we need those generations to tell us how to live ha 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 yeah generational claims are generally pretty dumb as, as, as a surprise as a rule, right you know. so today we're going to talk about the 60s because it's what she talks about the end of the 60s we're going to talk about her misanthropy and her sort of like approach that is loathing. And we're going to talk about the journalistic eye and her investment in truth claims. So I'm going to give a summary. It's weird, slightly weird to do in this book, but we're really only going to talk about three of the essays. Really, maybe not the most famous ones, but two of the most famous ones. And there's a lot to get pissed off at here. So we just didn't want to have too much material. Although I, w- I will I will come back to the fucking carpool thing, even though it's not one of the three essays, because it made me so mad. That's not, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, please, please go to town. Um, uh. <laughs> so the essay called The White Album is the first one in the book. And it begins, we tell ourselves stories in order to live that incredibly famous first line. It's a series of vignettes about being like the coolest, thinnest girl in school and wan and sad and also a psychiatric patient it is compelling in a lot of ways because one of its premises is this individuated psychological sickness that is conceived of as the sort of like diffuse atmospheric sickness this is a reading on my part and not like a fact of this but this is how i get up the butt of this book When Didion is hospitalized after an attack of vertigo and nausea, she says, I offer only that an attack of vertigo and nausea does not now seem to me an inappropriate response to the summer of 1968. Um, Which is correct. I just also think she maybe mentions the wrong things. 
Yeah. Well, like she and, doesn't talk and, about like you know, how riots, for example, like would affect the whole like cultural landscape and that that would you would have a lot of fear on behalf of the people being attacked. Yeah, right. And 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 like I mean that this all like follows this this she saw the very first page of of the book where like I am talking here about a time when I began to doubt the premises of all the stories I had ever told myself, a common condition but one I found troubling. And it's just like what okay, like right I mean whenever someone says something like that about this specific time period, I'm always like what the fuck are you talking about because like that there's just so much kind of like like white bourgeois reaction embedded in that kind of like effective like relationship to this kind of very tumultuous and transformational time but and it's it's weird that this kind of psychiatric you know narrative comes out of that initial claim i think you know but yeah well i i think part of it is that she's like okay so it's non-negotiable. I'm the main character of this. Yes, and, yes, exactly. And the narrative doesn't make sense with me as the main character, but that's non-negotiable. So the world doesn't make any sense and one ca- because the main character can't write the story or it would suck ass. So like yeah. what do you do like or like the narrative, so what do you do? Yeah. Conclude yeah, no, that nothing I, yeah. has any meaning <laughs> if I guess is one way to go. Yeah, and that is that you know that 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 insistence on the kind of journalistic eye at the center of everything of the new journalism that in this specific thing is yeah. Anyway, sorry. I'm- I mean, and I think I know it's like a forced reading on my part. That's like, oh, but what she's talking about is like atomization or this sort of you know like Daniel Bell or whoever you want to think of as writing in the fifties producing the alienated alienation sickness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, right. I mean, that's the thing. And that's There's cool. actually like. A- Yes, there is a really cool and compelling set of questions that that opens up. But like when I then read what follows, which you're going to get to, I'm like, but I don't know that that's really what's driving it. You know, it's it's like I think that's the good version of what she's saying. No, I am but having like, my own way about this. I am totally aware yeah. that I'm like doing. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. I mean, like, by all means, go for it. No, no, no. It's just like I think, you know, nausea is an interesting sort of literary category. But hers, of course, and, and it's like that it's isolation sickness is really interesting, too. But. Hers is because like Jim Morrison is a is a louch or whatever mm-hmm. is louch. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Which is so fine. And then like through this essay, she thematizes like death, murder, sex writing through discussing the Manson killings, hanging out with the Doors, and being with music people who she says like there's no sense of time with them, and like they drink weird stuff, and like. When China Phillips was born, like they stopped on the way to the hospital to like pick some dude up on Hollywood and Vine or whatever. I'm like making this up. But basically, it's that they have no regard for what she thinks of as being like bourgeois normative gestures. Yeah. You guys should really be drinking gin and not your like whatever the fuck bullshit you're putting in your gullet. Yeah. And she's like making what vegan ratatouille or something. I think that was was like, I don't know if I invented that, but I thought there was a part where she was like, I was uh, during this time, I was barefoot making a pot of like lentils. She talks about like I put the lentils on to soak, but she, I think also eats a lot of like meat and stuff. Like there's also something sort of, she's really into viscera. 
Yeah, she yeah she does talk about like you know scarfing down the cheeseburgers after like kind of a long day of reporting, which I'm like, all right, I I, I feel you, Joe, Joe Diddy. I also want to say like I I did legit enjoy this book a lot, you know, and so I don't you know and, and like I so because I have so much like a you know political uh, animosity to some of the points that I I don't I don't want to lose that like there is a really sort of compelling way in which like I mean, just fascinating kind of like episodes from the time or narrated um but you know yeah i i guess that it's just like when i sit down after reading it's like what the fuck do i do with this that where i start to have a little bit of kind of you know you know dyspeptic about the whole thing you know i mean and she one of the most repulsive series of vignettes is like on huey newton and eldridge cleaver and like eldridge cleaver is a fascinating insano pants who's like that's a different okay that's also not what she's talking about but that's a different episode but she's mad at huey newton when they're interviewed like a, a it's like a big press conference they're interviewing huey newton and he's really good at staying on message right so they ask him questions about his upbringing and he's like oh well i i grew up in this way that like poor black people did and so like un- in the presence of the the constant surveillance of the police again i'm like completely making this up but it's right in sense and he's great at staying on message he's great at having a politics and she says in other words it was another story without a narrative. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that, right. And so like, yes, what you were saying, all that really cool stuff about the kind of atomization, the sort of alienation of sort of like this period of modernity under capital. It's like, yeah, that that's cool. And then she says some shit like this. It's like, what the fuck? You know, like, this is like, like what she means is like, he had politics and that's dumb. Cause that, you know, that's, that's, that's such a dirt, like, like forced narrative or what I, eh, yeah. Like she wants care. Like she wants everyone to be a character. And so that, but, it, and it's like, which when she means there's no narrative what she's saying is there's no there's no literary character in this that except for that me you're producing for me yeah so like if i'm the only one then i guess i have to i guess that makes me the most important special one of all <sighs> no it's true it's true like this should piss off us off even as we're like seduced by it okay so the women's movement as far as I can tell, even though this was written before I was born, it is custom designed to piss me off. Like that, <laughs> it was written just for me in a nightmare scenario. And so she's like, oh, like, why do women think they're oppressed? Also, like, why do they think they're a class? And Marxism doesn't work in the US. And like, are there some important and iconoclastic contributions to feminist theory? Like, Julianus Firestone and I'm like fuck yeah this is getting there and I'm off I'm on board yeah sure and Didion says very sarcastically if the family was the last fortress of capitalism then let us abolish the family and I'm like yes bitch that would be good like yeah could we get on that sooner rather than later can we just can we start doing that like do we not do we not know that the nuclear family is the cornerstone of capital? Like, yeah, everybody knows that. Like, I'm sorry that you love your husband or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. This is like when a, a bourgeois liberal will say, uh, it'd, be, it'd be like, oh, I guess we should just get rid of the police then. And it's like, yes. yeah, yeah, you fucking asshole. I guess. Yes. <laughs> like, get rid of them. They, they, they like murder they, people. Like, so, so so confident that they've just owed you by being like oh and it's like no i mean you're just yeah your whole your whole fuck you got no frame of reference man you don't really mean abolish the family yes that is absolutely what we mean 
like ha- have an idea that isn't just like well that's ridiculous like that's ridiculous yeah i mean she had all the opinions in this are wrong like she and she's mad because she thinks that like feminist criticism or like feminist readings are okay so she says the idea that fiction has certain irreducible ambiguities seemed never to occur to these women nor should it have for fiction is in most ways hostile to ideology which like <laughs> what what please what? review all of our previous episodes there are more than 50 of them yeah also so so cute that you think that you can live outside of ideology you know <laughs> i mean that's darling. which like as you take an ideological position that's like the whole thing is like well i don't like any of your explanations because of my ideology so what i'm gonna do is say that i am outside of this entire like i am fl- hovering above <laughs> And you know that actually, like when you say that, that does make me think that, like the one, because you know whether you want to read this as like sort of like you know sort of like mid twentieth century bourgeois like white liberal shit, or or like something a little bit more reactionary. I do think that like one thing that sort of like that set of liberals and reactionaries do share is they're both deeply convinced that they are the only people without ideology. Yeah. You know, like that they're, that they're they're the ones that live outside politics. All the rest of us fools in some way are like caught up in these you know you know these these bad ways of thinking well because they they don't want to think hard yeah 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 exactly well it's like uh, the the, it's like that i'm a well well we need adults in the room it's just about adults nothing else matters like if you just get a bunch of people who are goddamn grown-ups you can solve anything which i learned from the west wing Yeah, exactly absolutely it's also you know and she gets mad she's like i went and read henry james or i went and read edith wharton and they don't have ideology or and you can't read them and think like these characters just depressed and i'm like have you read the house of mice like have you read the book because you have to be blithely stupid not to think about how that book is thinking about money determining women's lived realities in the most like material of ways like that to read it any other way is just to be just to be like actively ignorant for sure i i i honestly just am wondering what the aversion to thinking like she'll she'll say two things about i think it was the wharton that she was talking about where she's like well did she ever just consider that maybe find it or she should find and find a new or find a new husband or whatever all she's thinking about is men and that's her trouble or whatever but it's not this why do we have to pick one thing and, and insist that if it doesn't explain every element of something that it, that it's entirely invalid like right. oh you can't do any material critique of stuff because it doesn't explain why i don't feel good sometimes <laughs> <laughs> right it doesn't do like Everybody wants it to do total criticism and when sometimes it like, but what about people who are comfortable? What about that? It's like, no, it's not the point at all, you dumb asshole. Like, that's just. Well, what about, what about people who are comfortable, but sometimes they got a tummy ache and they didn't feel good? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and of course what she's saying is that it's the feminist, the feminist or the feminist critic who's like, no, you never had a tummy ache. That was the patriarchy. And I'm like, but sometimes tummy aches are like it's not just that it's always it's not just that 
these things. Why not both? Why not both? You can also just have a tummy ache, but you can also have a patriarchy tummy ache. Yeah. They're both yeah. real. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Pepto helps with both. <laughs> yeah. Buy yeah. Pepto today. <laughs> I go with just purging. It's not purging. It's just barfing. And okay, so I'm just going to read a couple more just because like now I'm getting my blood up. But she says like, to those of us, mm, who's us, who remain committed mainly to the exploration of moral distinctions and ambiguities, the feminist analysis may have seemed a particularly narrow and cracked determinism. What? 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 Again, as opposed to the expansive and <laughs> uh, consuming determinism that I like. The, the, the consuming, the moral ambiguity that occurs in the House of Mirth. Right? Which it is, but it's like, dude, what What do you think? Never mind. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> hates it. I hate it. She thinks there's no ideology. She says... That oh, this is the line, Katie. That many women are victims of condescension and exploitation and sexual stereotyping was scarcely news, but neither was it news that other women are not. Nobody forces women to buy the package. And you say that as though you have to buy it and it's not that it's like forced upon you. Like <laughs> you don't buy it, you're sold to your dad sells you to your husband and that's like the whole conditions under which you like i mean first of all the the, the language about like buying itself is like so yeah. fucking dopey but and it's a like package yeah it's like the whole th the whole conditions under which you operate as an individual are not determined by you as an individual what right. the fuck are you talking about and then there's like oh you don't believe in free will it's like i will tell you i do not fucking care right, right? <laughs> like does free will exist i don't care ask a fucking theologian you know like that's not also that's like not is me. that what novels are you know, about john edwards says very novels are all of a sudden about free will yeah yeah let's exactly yeah let's ask, let's ask jonathan edwards katie that's right like see what he knows see what, about see what our og over there thinks yeah i know is it that there he knows any? about he knows about free will yeah uh yeah no there's right. not um but for but for spookier reasons that are cooler um but but, but i mean the re the reason it's dumb is because again like yes it's like however you want to think about that very it what is ultimately a very narrow question i mean i think you have to be like intentionally obtuse to not understand that like the set of choices by which you are presented are like obviously overdetermined by like the social realities you exist in like i mean this is not like this isn't fucking that's not even a smart point that's just like a basic observation of the world you know okay but you can but you can think that or or try this on for size you can think that nobody else is real and <laughs> you're the only actual human you're the and that uh, yeah she says that oh, in this last God. essay she says like we're the last ones who wanted to be adults and it's like okay i you know never mind never mind anyone who has to who has no choice but to have a job has always been an adult whether they're a child or not but it's like wanting to have fun is bad and and <laughs> and for toddlers. Right, because all you can do is like like you could drink your feelings into numbness or you could take secondol or whatever it is she's taking, but that's like the best you can hope for. You can't even like get drunk with your buds and have a good time. Like, yeah, no. Even something that might be fun is like the the medication is not even like self-medicated. It's just like self-emptying. Yeah, it's a real the uh, a real vacuum cleaner. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so like I'm just gonna read a bit from this essay on the morning after the 60s because this is all you need to know. But she says, like, I am talking here about being a child of my time. When I think about the 60s now, I think about an afternoon not of the 60s at all, an afternoon early in my sophomore year at Berkeley. Okay, now I'm starting to get, now I'm at a two. A bright autumn Saturday in 1953, I was lying on a lower couch in a fraternity house, now I'm at a four. There had been a lunch for the alumni. My date had gone on to the game. I do not now recall why I had stayed behind. Lying there alone, reading a book by Lionel Trilling, seven, and <laughs> listening to a middle-aged man pick out on a piano in need of tuning the melodic line to Blue Room. Okay, nine. <laughs> the fucking Richard Rogers song that was recorded by people like Perry Como. Like, I, I know nobody who listens to this was born before 1990, but Perry Como, anyway. And also she's like, here, let me just do a little underline of liberalism like let me just mention the guy who wrote the book the liberal imagination for you fun and also like what a cool snob i am because later in this thing i read henry james and camus and this is such pretentious moneyed beautifully written garbage yeah it is and, and, and it's like it's right after that scene which i have to say i mean like there is some funny uh you know there's some funny skepticism like she does she's like like the idea of a football lunch and, and that i was at a dated fraternity seems so quaint now it's like oh okay ha she's there's a little bit of like self-reflection but then it's like but you know here's the thing and this is why i'm back in the 50s right now it's because like yeah we just we didn't believe like believing in things are stupid like that's dumb like that that's the whole problem with kids these days and it's it's, it's like, or, I mean, she, and again, people will be like, oh, that's not what she says. She, there's a lot to believe in. She talks about like the, you know, we're into like kind of personal, like moral choice and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, but that, yeah, basically what you're saying is the people who have a politics or like an idea of like kind of social possibility are fucking naive fools. And that's what makes you special. And yeah, that's the kids know. these days line, right? Where she's just like, yeah. Yeah. anyone who wanted say any kind of organizing on a campus is just like, Get a pat on the head for being like cute. Yeah. And she's like so fucking dismissive of like the protest at like San Francisco State and stuff like that. That they're, you know, I mean, like, and, and, and again, it's like we said at the beginning, like, who doesn't love dunking on hippies? Like, it's very easy to find some random, like, <laughs> beardo kid who has a dumb idea about what they want this movement to achieve. But it's like a lot of that fucking campus organizing during this period was extremely important. Like, and of course, she's like the SDS. Yeah. And I'm just like, the SDS sometimes was like great and fun. Yeah. Her whole thing is like that. Okay, so maybe some maybe some of you think that if you're if you're gonna take action to uh, on behalf of civil rights or on behalf of not engaging in ceaseless imperial butchery that like like we do, um, that's all fine. But it's not as important as the time I saw a a particularly special leaf that really stuck (laughs) with me and defined the decade. And and there's that one. I think I sorry. I think it's one of the things we said we were going to talk about. But she's talking. She's uh, there's this one essay where she's in Hawaii and she's like at this uh, the this the you know military cemetery right outside of Honolulu and she's like oh yeah and there were still a hundred you know U.S. just U.S. soldiers we're talking about not Vietnamese being killed a week and it's like. 
how does like that knowledge sit with you being like, oh, you want to have a protest movement? You're fucking dumb. You know, like, ah. Well, like her observation on that is like, it sure was, if I'm remembering this right, is like, oh, I sure was in Hawaii a lot at the time. I, so that's what sticks out for me. Yes, 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 yeah. My husband yeah, uh, and I were uh, writing a screenplay and it was full of, I was really pilled out. Also, yeah. there's a lot of dead kids. Like, <laughs> really? Whoa, okay. You can live yeah. your life thinking that. That's fine. So I'm going to give the context if that's okay now. Yeah. Okay. Contextualize it up. So she, Joan Didion started as, I. she submitted, I think it was a play to Vogue. So she was a magazine writer first. She wrote for Vogue in the 60s and then she parlayed that into long form and some short essays that were first published in her volume slouching toward bethlehem in 1968 from which the the line the center cannot hold come so didion has like a lot of these like beautifully written bits that we know popular culture wise sorry that slouch, that's also a throwback to the yates poem right it Both is the slouching towards bethlehem. yes yeah and the, uh... so the book is a lot like the White Album, in that it is mostly a series of reflections on of a true misanthrope on like the times and the kids and why she has bad opinions. And she has this rangy set of works of nonfiction that reflect on like, as we said, like everybody, like the Doors and Charles Manson and the Beatles and all kinds of, you know, the she does the 60s in, you know, a touch of everything, right? She's trying to get it all jammed in there. Especially like LA, right? Like she's has this really interesting relationship to Los Angeles. She didn't grow up there. She grew up in Sacramento, but she does denaturalize it in ways that I find interesting and makes it seem really like grim. Yeah. 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 But also her sort of her outer disconnection and atomization is like, why have a politics that's dumb? <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> um she also wrote fiction i love her fiction she one of my all-time favorite novels is played as it lays which um my former student and now colleague john Wynne, hi john describes as maybe the bleakest novel he had ever read and this is a person who works on robert altman movies <laughs> This is a person who had just read Kathy Acker's Blood and Guts in high school and is like, this book is bleaker. And I'll have to read it. (laughs) It's it's like an amazing novel. And so the thing that makes the novels better for me is that she reproduces this like misanthropy obsession with woman sadness. She has lots of stuff about menstruation and and guts and viscera and sickness as – that actually like is a great anchoring point for a novel to work around because I can do the interpretive work and that makes it better, right? So I don't have this like skinny bitch leaning over my shoulder being like, and here's what you think about that. Like this is a much more interesting version of malaise. So I think just read it. Yeah, I mean, well, I honestly, uh, there are a lot of novelists through history who what they thought about their novels was so much less interesting than the novels themselves, you know, I mean, that probably describes half of the people we've talked about on the show, at least, you know, whose essays are like, this is dumb. And then there's novels are great. Yeah, yeah. Under no circumstances would I like I would like to just wave the flag and say like, and some people write both just as good. Ralph Ellison, go read them. Herman Melville. Herman Melville. Look what he did with the book yeah, review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He did the horniest book review you ever did here. <laughs> he sure yeah, did. Nathaniel Hawthorne. Totally. I mean, like I said, uh, 
James Baldwin's another great example. There are people who can do both, who are awesome at both. She is not. Well, she actually is one of those people, but the. Yeah. Look, I mean, again, very, very good writing. Just infuriating. Yeah just infuriating so she was most famous for that for a long time and then in the aughts there's this big renewed interest in her work because she publishes these two books that just got this huge amount of praise and press the year of magical thinking which she wrote after the death of her husband john gregory dunn he died of a heart attack at breakfast like it it is really a awful thing and blue nights which is about the death of her daughter quintana rue done and it was like a year later it's awful it's awful there's a degree to which didion is not a reliable narrator of these long memoirs and that's something that we're like not very good at recognizing when someone who has this degree of prose command both of these memoirs have a lot of like didiony withholding And it's just something to know, like when you read them, and they're both absolutely amazing. Magical Thinking was made into a stage performance. Like, I'm not sure you would call it a, it's like a one person play with Vanessa Redgrave. And it's a memoir also, like it's a memoir about writing. And part of that is because Dunn was her writing partner. And they also spent a lot of time like in, in one room, both writing and like tandem writing. Then there's a recent documentary about her by her nephew, Griffin Dunn, and she recently placed, gave, sold her papers to Berkeley, where she did her undergrad. And a bunch of people are writing academic stuff about her right now. She's she's having a moment, and she's still alive. Oh, there's, there's a point, there's a moment in the first essay that's like that when she talks about um, being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. But you don't know that, like you get very far and you don't know that and you can almost miss it because it's then it goes on to this was the neurologist said an exclusionary diagnosis and meant nothing. And then what she makes of it is the improbable had become the probable, the norm, things which happened only to other people could in fact happen to me. Lead a simple life, the neurologist advised. I'm skipping around. Not that it makes any difference we know about. In other words, it was another story without a narrative. So it's like there's a lot of description of stuff that's going on, like the neck x-rays and the chemical tests and ophthalmologists and neurologists and all the stuff to get to the central nervous system. But there is a way that it's like we're it's always like hovering over the thing until we get to what she thinks is the knockout punch, which is that there's no narrative. Yeah, because she seems not to want to give over to what I think is the thing she almost gets to, which is alienation sickness or she has a she has a condition, right? This is the nervous condition. and. I mean that in both the abstract way that we would say something like human condition and also in the way like I have a condition. (laughs) There's, you know, there's actually like a couple of impulses. Like, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with what you guys are saying about that, but I think feel like there's, there's like kind of a competing set of impulses that make it really kind of interesting. However much the whole like lack of narrative stuff we might find, you know, sort of politically eye rolly uh, later, which is one is that like, you know, it, it does like produce a narrative eye that is uh, like 
authentic, right? I mean, in that, like, it's like, this is how you, you don't really like, okay. Like, you know, you're dealing with something like this, uh, you know, a sickness that's undiagnosed and like, just sort of trying to figure that out. You don't like have the answer for what it is. And often when you get the diagnosis, it doesn't produce any kind of like cohesion, right? So like, so there is, there is almost like a, a really interesting and sort of like believability of like herself as character that she's producing. But like on the other side, yeah, that I, you know, that just that the, like this, this lack of faith that sort of like narrative can be produced at all also then it's like well what right so then what so then why is the eye there period right like why are you framing this as like some sort of person like it, it, there, there's no like you start you 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 insert the eye into something and like it, there's almost a pledge there to be kind of producing some sort of narrative which she ultimately kind of withhold you know what i mean so it, it's interesting it's 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 yeah, I, I feel like it's it's actually like pretty complex and kind of ambivalent or ambiguous. Well, she tells us that, like, you know, the she gives us the story about the the psychiatric commitment, and then that what they say about her is like she's resistant to treatment because of my intellectualization, my obsessive compulsive devices, my projection, my reaction formation, my somatization, and in the transcript of the Ferguson trial, that's a, another thing. But like. She tells you, I do all these things not to account for I'm a I'm a I'm a cluster of symptoms. And the narrativelessness is that it's not called a thing. Right. But she's like, right. but this cluster of 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 symptoms is going to get in the way of my voice. Mm-hmm. But also like they 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 are me. Like they are so essentially there, there's a reason why she writes about these things there she writes about them in a way that is like the numb that like that numb affect is like once you relieve the pain of it what you have is this like a person defined by the lack of feeling all of this pain that they're showing you that they should be feeling because look at my look at my chart and like look at my evaluation it controls it by putting it out there like that's part of it too in a way for her i th- i mean not for her but like as it appears in the in the book it's like i am a cool girl i i'll tell you anything i'll be very upfront about things that people might think are embarrassing mm-hmm. i'm not embarrassed by them i'll tell you all about it but the drive to narrate does make something in something ambiguous and fraught come out of it i think mm-hmm. which i which is maybe a like a inelegant way of restating what what you two just said but can i ask a dumb question which might be related to this do we know why she called that essay and also the volume of essays the white album which is the reference to that mid midpoint of the beatles career album which i think is i mean i'm not a music critic or a guy really but i i do think that that would is thought of as weird <laughs> but also like really famous i don't do, do we know is what it that's, kind of what masturbatory is it like two records I think it's three. I think Ugh. it's three. And shout out to shout out to listener and dear friend Ashley, who would is screaming because she knows this and could tell us. I'm proud of myself for not. I know other shit about music, but I don't know dick about the Beatles. 
Right, right. Also, like, um, just because I'm adding it in, when I see this line about, like, I am the symptoms and I am, or I am not the symptoms, I'm like, oh, man, this is actually quite humberty. And yeah, that's sus. Um, yeah. So we won't get to that episode for a few now, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Look at this crown of thorns. <laughs> So hey, so Come to according to according to Wikipedia.com, oh man, fucking Beatles people and music people are getting so mad right now. <laughs> like, go, go away. <laughs> Just listen to a different I'm sure there's two four hundred Beatles podcasts. <laughs> the, but it, so it, no it, yeah you guys are right it is the only double album but that but that is right the one thing i remember about it other than you know like some of the songs from it is that it, it's just it's in that like white sleeve there's like no there's like no sort of like narrative on the surface of it which maybe that's part of what she's it's doing it's the too. fucking apple store yeah, oh, yeah. Is, that is, yeah that's right it is yeah but yeah as as like countered by the um the jay-z record Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the remixed version, the gray album, which is Danger Mouse. Yes. Oh yeah, right. Okay. See, I knew a music thing once. Uh, B flat. Anyone? <laughs> uh, so we were already there, but we're talking about this misanthropy, and, and like we got to talk about the feminism hatred, just as like yes, a oh a way of adding a certain kind of texture to that. A little treat for all of us. The least treaty treat. Like part of her critique, it just felt like a liberal trying to do structural critique and actually like arriving at some structural points, but she thinks they're dumb because she doesn't believe in structures like that. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, she, like there are things as you read, I mean, like some things she said just are so like, like, right. Like when she's like that line about like, let's just abolish the family. Then it's like, bingo, you fucking hit yeah. on the point here, you know, but she you thinks it's it. so, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like having a conversation with, you know, a, a liberal about capitalism and they're like, oh, well, I guess we should just abolish money then. And it's like, okay, yes. Thank you for arriving at like what we're saying. <laughs> I mean, the thing is like, even saying she's a liberal is like not quite right. Yeah. No. And I, and I, I'm using that in the, the broadest, I think of, of political terms there. Like some of this stuff does strike a chord with with me in terms of like the older liberal set like these things about you know she does she says she does this thing that was like well why why didn't you um if you don't like your if your doctor is not giving you the right care um get a new gynecologist if your boss is touching your ass get a new job if if you get attacked at a hotel we'll stay at a different one then and why were you wearing that where were you going dressed like that and and you know what, like, really fucking, I mean, everything pisses me off about that. But I think, like, one of the things that, I, you know, just in, in within the context of other things she's saying in this was that, like, you know, I get the sense that, like, she, you know, as well she should be really pissed off by that fucking, like, extremely dopey nationalistic, and more than dopey, like, malevolent nationalistic uh, shit that, like, anti-war protesters were hit with them and still were by people, including fucking liberals in the early 21st century, uh, about, like, you know, love it or leave it. Like, she'd be like, well, that's fucked. Like, that's stupid, you know. But but that's exactly what she's fucking saying <laughs> to women. Yeah. Who are like, yeah, I mean, th- like, we, this, this is a problem, like, patriarchy 
patriarchy is a problem. Uh, you know, like patriarchal capitalism is a problem, you know. I mean, I think she ex- she sort of exemplifies it. I mean, some parts of it, like this logic of she's not like a liberal humanist, but she right. is about like progressive, not progressive in the way we not even actually she's like people are flawed and i guess that's the that's the part where there's like there's a disconnect because there's i guess no she is saying if people would just be better and and just do these things i'm telling you to do then your problems would be fixed and you wouldn't need a woman's movement right and that your problems are particular and internal to you yeah and that they're and that they are fundamentally individual as everything is and if you and if you can come to a conclusion, if you can map yourself so easily into this common struggle is what what she's saying, is that like for her, that means like, oh, well, then you're not interesting. Right. Then there's something wrong with that. I mean, I think I get I was just like that this is this is touchy, right? Because it's like it's totally about the liberal subject in the sort of way that we're familiar with it. It's about a hyper individuated character who ki- who is not determined at all at all in this like this is too deterministic and it's like bitch we all are but it doesn't feel like quote liberal feminism right like it doesn't she's not approving of the version that betty Friedan or whoever although she doesn't mention her that's she's mad at her but she's also mad at shulamith firestone which again is like fucking incoherent but yeah it's like this these different and of course then she's like you know who we really need is simone de Beauvoir, and i'm like you mean the marxist uh, yeah i know right no r- yes it's like she she tries to she tries to own uh like feminist like you know radical feminists on those sort of grounds but With then Mary like you know, really yes yeah i know i know but yeah well, so here all right this passage is super fucking incoherent this is like the second pair yeah it's like the third paragraph of the i wonder if this is going to be the one that is my favorite i mean there person. are a lot in There's here so, so it, it could be yeah um yeah. so okay like so well it starts with this idea of like women sitting in the gazebo uh you know like, but then it's like in fact there was an idea and the idea was marxist and it was precisely to the extent that there was this marxist idea known as uh, uh, that the curious historical anomaly known as the women's movement would have seemed to have any interest at all marxism in this country had ever been an eccentric and quixotic passion as opposed to where else in the <laughs> fucking world right like right. one one, oppre- one oppressed class after another had seemed finally to miss the point the have-nots it turned out aspired mainly to having the minorities this is fucking gross seemed to promise more but finally disappointed it developed that they actually cared about the issues that they tended to see the integration of the luncheonette and the seat in the front of, uh, of the bus as real goals and only rarely as ploys counters in a larger game they resisted that essential inductive leap for the immediate reform to the social ideal and just as disappointingly they failed to perceive their common cause with other minorities continued to exi- uh, exhibit a self-interest disconcerting in the extreme to organizers steeped in the rhetoric of b- brotherhood the first Who's essay t- she's talking with black marxists you know like but and, but and she like, isn't like she because right, she's right. like because she's like yeah yeah skip all the marxist stuff and get to the other yes. shit yes you mean yeah, the people exactly. who like she also against d- um who are in conversation with the po- post-colonial activism of the 50s and 60s you mean those people those people who are like fully aware of like the international working class and how those things are mutually constituted exactly and i mean part of the point as you guys well know 
of so much Marxist criticism is precisely in the way these structures are so deeply imbricated that like disaggregating the pulling them apart, upsetting the overall hegemon is extremely hard. That is like one of the central points. She also on the next page does this gross ass like cancel culture. She's like, I guess we should just burn literature, which that shows you these the fucking like bourgeois liberals have been on that shit for at least 50 years and probably longer. You know, it's like you just want to get rid of literature. It's like, fuck off. Like, no one is saying shit about well, that. Well, it's tons of like she says bullshit. And it's like no one says shit like that. Yes. No, that's exactly. It, it just is remarkable to me that why, why is it so deeply bothersome to her that other people have commitments? Th- have have yeah and and that there is some and and that they would act to, and they would act toward them and that it doesn't inv- like it doesn't invalidate like the okay I, i'm the importance of like looking at a leaf or whatever it, that can still be beautiful and you can still like you can still, you can still love your leaf engage yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can, no. no one's taking your fucking no, leaf away. No, call Shulamith no, Firestone no. and be like, do you want to take all my candy? Yeah. Like, I just don't understand why we can have a million perceptions of self that coexist uh, in this layered way, and, but yet that thinking and and the social can't be that way. Yeah. Like, you can't have all these complicated cross currents. Those are only for, pe- like, individuals. No. And and I you know I said at the beginning like oh generational politics is dumb they are but like I'm about to do one real quick like um, no, what, it's not that what, important uh, to me no then. like right no I well and, and I mean you know it's, there's there yeah I mean it, it, to the extent that you know if you're born in a certain era you grow up largely uh, with certain material realities that are less true or more true of a different time but uh, no what this did remind me of I mean this is not satire we're going to talk just about satire in, uh, in 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 a few in a few weeks with uh, with George Schuyler. Um it it reminded me of like fucking Gen X satirists, right? Like in the sense that like it's not satire. Okay, like Mike Judge. Mike well no, well yeah, exactly. But like Mike Judge, who I think is fucking brilliant in a lot in a lot of ways, really, you know, trenchant critic of things like capitalism and yet he is so fucking committed to this libertarian like believing in things is dumb like idiocracy there's so much like good stuff in that movie about like among you know, our best movies about work office space is yes office space is he's, fantastic he's one but, of our finest documentarians <laughs> yes. right exactly but like it, it always or like silicon valley it always goes askew because like he can never fucking look at the system to actually get at like the heart and so it comes it, it becomes then like like idiocracy really gross stuff it's like yeah well like like dumb poor people fuck too much it's like ew like what the fuck you know yeah but, but like, joan didn't but, think but that lesbians that. are too nice to each other yes right i mean that like yeah yeah, yeah. that was a real like that was wild it's like oh you're gonna like wh- i feel like you are it's not that weird for me to be like so you're so so what are you like promoting revenge fucking like what what yeah yeah, that that was a weird. That was a weird one. That was a weird. But like to see stuff, like to see the world, like to see the world, and then come to these bizarro conclu- like exactly like it's so disappointing. Yes. Like it's disappointing yeah. to 
to see like like the idiocracy guy go off on it. like especially yeah. it, no now now you know now more than ever and it's also like you it's the same shit with Joan Didion where you look and you're like oh yeah you know she really does see she yeah. she sees stuff yeah. like she she yeah she really her her eye and her voice is is really powerful but it's like fuck man no that that's exactly it and that's exactly why i made that 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 sort of uh, analogy because there is yeah there are all these really great sort of observations and really sort of compellingly arranged but it's like the you know not just like you know obtuseness too but just like active resistance to any kind of like systemic analysis that just makes what could be awesome into like fucking infuriating in so many of these essays well it's not know? like what she's, you know, she's like, get another gynecologist. And then, of course, earlier she's like, I'm sick, but I'm like, cap, I'm like capitalism sick. That's not what she says at all. But like, that's odd. It feels at odds to me. And again, this is like, I'm just doing my brain. I'm not doing really what she's saying. But it's like, she finds something really compelling and aligning with a sort of like psychoanalytic conversations about like, to feel sick in your bones or something right that it's like it's it's a series of sicknesses that don't necessarily have like an obvious cause and that is something that's so amazing for me and like bracing about freud is that like he helps these patients these women that he to whom he does the talking cure see their sicknesses as real and not as like you're just you're a bad girl you know you're just malingering and he's like no there's this stuff that's happening to you and it's real and like he he thinks all kinds of weird shit about it but like she's (laughs) in she has some of that commitment too and it's wild then that she's like but it's just about me you know it's like about me and not like a woman condition or a nervous condition because it's about being an afflicted individual as opposed to any particular ailment, I think. Like, to be put upon and to be afflicted is, like, is in some way, like, a grounds for being. Like, you can see the world through this lens of suffering. And it's, uh, and that's, I think, why it's important important to her and also important that it doesn't have an explanation because any time like any okay so i'm gonna the m night Shyamalan movie the village was one of the most disappointing things i've ever seen it's real because bad. it's real terrible it's real terrible because you spend the whole time praying that the twist is not the twist right. that you think it is and it's so disappointing that it is the twist you think it is and so she doesn't want to be in an m night Shyamalan movie she like where there's an answer and it's disappointing. Right, because the answer has to be disappointing here, right? It has to be like that the woman condition is it because it's the woman condition and not because it's like, but I'm, I need to process my endless, be- like the sickest girl. Yeah, because cause it's, it's, it can be a good time to have a bad time. Totally. But it's not the bad time that we're all having together, right? Like, to say that she's an hysteric would be, I mean, you can say that that's an individual condition, but you can also say, like, to be an hysteric is to be a woman condition, a series of, like, determinacies. 
Yeah, and I a series of determinacies. You all know yeah, that I love and also Freud. Like, love him. Love everything about him. My boyfriend. <laughs> Horse horses are not scary, as Freud teaches. <laughs> it, it, it's like a thing for her where the the determinism is is only about people. Like, like it's about her, like and people to her because it's like I don't know how my life is gonna turn out and that's why i think and, and that's sort of what i meant by like it's a it's a good time to have a bad time because like for her the 60s are the ideal time to have a bad time oh totally because everybody else is trying to have a good time yeah it's her favorite time to have a bad time and it like and it all works and it and i don't know i can't figure this fucking book out at all but um <laughs> she also like does these funny things where she is this is an irony where she ascribes like what seems to be a sort of personal desire to the kids these days or like the structure right like so she's she like flips determinism in this weird way where she says like the derogation of assertiveness as machismo has achieved such currency that one imagines several million women too delicate to deal at any level with an overtly heterosexual man like lady if you're a bottom that's fine like nobody like nobody (laughs) begrudges you that but don't be like don't be like everybody hates butch like what the fuck like patriarchal this is a structural problem that affects men badly it affects all people women non-binary trans people all it fucks us all because it's not yeah. that like yeah. because because butchiness is fine, but like essential masculinity yes. is a problem. And you're just saying that like you want somebody to doggy style you. Not that like <laughs> not that the real pro like, oh, are you scared of butch people now? <laughs> like I, I- <laughs> <laughs> So find yourself a lady oh. because you know what ladies have is like nice sex. Like have, have you have you met ladies? Uh, apparently, no, no. Drifting through the world, one does not encounter into others as um. There are also no uh, that's women why I think in her maybe world. Maybe she's in Sims. Like zero women. No, exactly. That is true. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's on Firestone, and she's like dumb. <laughs> she believes things. Yeah. next i mean there's barely any other people yeah true well anyway. uh but the the fun thing is uh we'll we'll see we'll see more of that uh <laughs> that uh, uh solipsistic uh, uh approach to the world uh for the next two weeks with um uh janet malcolm and then uh and, and, and then and then there's tom lots Wolf, of stuff right? to be learned from gazing up your own butthole yeah yeah the- yeah and getting it in the sun apparently that's um a, a, a cure you're supposed to um let your butt see the sun your butt oh, will right. see it's the like sun. a vitamin d um, absorption device now it's <laughs> something like that yeah sure i don't know that's what it is it's this is just d. stuff i read about on the device. interwebs I, I like haven't done any research <laughs> No, I started to Google it and then I kind of gave up. It does sound like your thing, though. Like, what's this wacky ass colloidal silver nonsense that people want us to do? Let me just look into it. Never have a baby, <laughs> by the way, if you want to learn about some woo nonsense. No, yeah. I, yes. I, I have some colloidal silver in the cabinet. Put if you'd breast like milk something. everywhere is the lesson. You got a cut on your finger? Breast milk. <laughs> oh yeah Li- liquid gold i just watched a documentary about selling breast milk i don't think you can by law i think it's human tissue like you have to give it away 
This lady was making a lot on Facebook. Anyway, we got somewhere else. <laughs> I, I blacked out and ended up on lady selling her breast milk on Facebook. I think we have a game. Yeah, let's, let's oh, do but a game. Car- do you want to carpool lane? Any rants about carpool? Oh, uh, yeah. No, sorry. I, I yeah. If I if I can, it's very quick. Uh, that pissed me off because here's the thing. Uh, yeah, she is. There's this. There. It's actually really fascinating. Uh, section of the book called California Republic, which is like, ooh, what a weird and wonderful state we have. And uh, she's at the 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 the, the uh, yeah the you know the uh, Cal Cal dot or whatever the fuck is, Caltran. And uh, you know when they they've just instituted the carpool lane, and she's like, and she's like, oh, it's so it's so bad because it interferes with this great like mystical experience of the freeway, which Megan says that she talks about that elsewhere. But here's the thing. There is actually a valid critique, right, of that solution to traffic and pollution in that, like, it basically is like, well, the problem is all these irresponsible individuals who do not drive the correct way. And so a policy fix will take care of this ugly bad development pattern. in infrastructure no right and that that's smart what she wants to say is like is like <laughs> yeah the, the, the california highways mystical experience i mean it's the most libertarian ass fucking shit like it really is but that's it i just wanted to talk no i mean you're totally right i'm just gonna sell i'm just gonna put in a plug for every la novel that has freeway shit including a single man and the tropic of orange and the uh, planet as it lays and basically every la book has cool shit about the freeway yeah, I mean, it's a it's a very it's a it's a central like you know geographic feature of the oh of the read place, the parable but, of the uh, sower if you want a new version of the freeway to make you feel like someone did something smart to think about it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. If Go you back. like roads, you'll love Cormac McCarthy's <laughs> The Road. <laughs> read on the road and then go read the road and have very different experiences. Yes. Okay, Katie, are we anyway, sorry. on the on that yeah. game? <laughs> no, on I was the not reading on game. the road note. We all read it before. We all read it before. And we're not reading it again right this second. What we're doing is playing a game. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I the thing that really blew my mind about this book was the um if you do one marks plus one housewife who's sad equals one bad women's movement. Um, but I'm <laughs> that's wondering, how we, that's if, how we know it. I'm wondering, mm-hmm. so we can think of it as a, as a recipe or even a math equation. And so what I'm going to do is give you some one plus one equals. Okay. And so when, when you're going to add, I'm going to give you two figures and you're going to add them together and tell me what bad movement comes out. And you can't say bowel because I, I already I'm said it now. So sorry. Okay. We all knew that was the first one up. <laughs> yes. So I've got some I've got some thinkers, some influential thinkers, some some more or less influential than others. Um, and then some types. So I'm gonna mash them together and uh you're gonna give me the TikTok, the, the TikTok double double screen. We're doing it together. TikToks, it's, it's cool, it's good and fun. Uh, I'm young. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> our thinker, our first thing, our first uh our first uh philosopher. Idea guy. Uh, yeah, we'll call him a philosopher. Idea idea, idea guy is Charles Webster. Ledbetter. He was a 19th century uh, scientist who who showed us the hidden side of things. That's the title of his book. And it's about how um, 
fairies uh, evolved from oats and wheat. So he had a theory of evolution that had to do with um, fairies coming from Was Conan Doyle really into Mm -hmm. this? Because he had like failings about fairies. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He he was big into that. So we got the we got the fairies come from cereal guy. Mm-hmm. And if we combine the fairies fairies come from cereal guy with people who watched Oh, oh no. With competitive duck herders. <laughs> I'm sorry. With competitive duck herders. And I can tell you more about this. It's a sport. It's a sport and it's also a corporate of retreat course. option. Of course it um, is. Yeah. So if you take Ledbetter's um, Yum, I Love My Corn Puffs, Fairies Came From There, and Competitive Duck Herders, what bad, uh, what quote unquote bad movement? The Hunger Games. (laughs) (laughs) You dress up fancy and then you go kill stuff. Yeah. Man. I'm thinking like some like fucking like new new age type shit but that but you know that like looks vaguely adjacent to like sort of uh ecological movements but is actually just about like rich it's it's like we need to get back to the land by duck herding with your ceo boss right like so so yeah like so so like the the new age like reactionary version of like ecological okay it's like new age bow hunting so you can live like the indians yes yes yeah that's right it's like it's like you know you know this ancient tribe whose name i either mispronouncing or just entirely made up they have long thousands of years herding ducks on this land and we're gonna gonna do some bow hunting we're gonna bow hunt in our underpants Yes, exactly. It's literally you get Joe Rogan if you combine those. <laughs> yes, 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 that's yeah. right. That's it. It's Joe Rogan. Yes, yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah. All, all right. The Hunger Games Joe Rogan experience. Yeah. And yeah, uh, and I, actually, I feel like those two go pretty well together. So yeah, I think we got. I think we got something yeah. here. Um, continuing on the carbohydrate <laughs> theme, our our next thinker is Sylvester Graham. You all know Sylvester Graham, another fun nineteenth century guy. guy. Yeah, um, well... Uh, the original ex- no-fab guy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of cars, but not spanking it. That's, that's why he's so powerful. <laughs> I, uh, I think by all that you meant Graham's lectures on chastity, especially intended for the serious consideration of young men and Sorry, parents. Sorry, that's what I meant. Okay, consider it seriously. Um... He and, and much like Kellogg thought that bland food was less exciting <laughs> and would lead you to not want to diddle yourself or anyone else. Um, and when I eat a graham cracker, I've never felt less like fucking. So then you have to eat them constantly. Yeah. I that works. So so what you're saying is they weren't entirely wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think maybe about the desirability there. of avoiding any excitement, but not as as the like that like yes, yeah, an all graham cracker diet will make you not want to fuck, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it sure will. So we combine the graham cracker with with guys who who may not always show what they're feeling necessarily, mm-hmm. but when but when Leanne Womax, I hope you dance. Comes on at a wedding. I hope you have a tissue because they're mm. crying. So that's what we're mashing. 
Thursday. That's where we're mashing. But don't mash them in any funny business ways because no. Sylvester Graham's not having it. Isn't that just like yeah. the Jordan Peterson guys, like the lobster guys who are like, you need man feelings, but you also need to never spank it? Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking, I, I think I'm thinking in that vein. I was thinking of the like, you know, like, uh, fe- <laughs> also, you need a diet composed that, 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 of just like one thing. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, fe- well, actually, this too, like, with that, with the, 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 like, the kind of like soylent pounding CEOs, like those fucking psychos, right? But like, yeah, like in that, like, it's okay. So, like, feelings are like emasculating and like ki- probably kind of gay. But like, if you have feelings with other dudes, not spanking, no sex <laughs> stuff, but lots in right. in the woods, yeah. in the woods, then that is like 150% straight, like a thousand yes. percent straight. And that, yeah. So, something like, yeah. Like, and that you is kind of like, take it out, but don't touch thing, it. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, I think it's like, like, like if you cry all the time and think that and think that whacking off is the devil. Um, and only yes. eat one yeah. food stuff. And only. Yeah. So you do get like a success. You do get like a success when mindset like social philosopher. <laughs> who sucks. Yeah. 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 This. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this this this, this sounds even worse yeah. than the the right wing new age eco guy the joe rogan guy <laughs> you yeah. didn't even say it's i know you already said that we it, couldn't say bowel movement but i can't think of anyone with bulkier bms than someone who eats only graham crackers <laughs> <laughs> well doesn't didn't jordan didn't jordan peterson like only eat meat and for like nearly died months and like nearly yeah <laughs> yeah his daughter still only eats meat um and his wife mostly only eats meat but the daughter really only eats meat, like no joke. Like she literally only eats beef. Beef. Mm. It's not even just like no. We're not doing any funny stuff. That's with what chicken. I'm saying. Like this is the Man, Jordan I... Peterson stuff. Like it has everything yeah. lined up. It is. As as someone who spends a lot of time in the 18th century, let me just tell you, ma'am, you do not want scurvy, but you seem dead set on getting or scurvy. Gout. <laughs> <laughs> Or gout, yeah, you don't want scurvy or gout. Uh, you know, pooping every once in a while seems nice to be able to do. You know, alternate graham crackers. Yeah, yeah. 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 alternate graham crackers yeah. and meat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we solved a lot of problems here today. There's just one more. There's just one more. Um, and this guy, he he would. His name is uh, Jeremiah Reynolds. He would have been a, a hollow earth guy. Hollow earth is one of my favorite things. Uh, so we can think of him as a hollow earth guy. He also, he was the hollow, he wrote um, Mocha Dick, which, which was, which was, Moby Dick was, um was, uh, was heavily, uh, uh, there was, Melville leaned on it for some of the more fun parts. <laughs> it was a, so, was it a porn? So, and. It sounds like a um, It is now. <laughs> Because it really because uh, like I'm about point. to make it. Yeah, there's going to be way uh, too much cocoa powder involved. Um, but anyway, I'm trying to think of Starbucks drink and all I could think of was a mocha. And now I ha- can't stop thinking about someone's dick and frappuccino. <laughs> oh, God help. Um, <laughs> so we combine Hollow Earth with with people who watched the 1995 television program Alien Autopsy Fact fiction mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and they emerged from that program undecided <laughs> factor fiction they don't know 
So mm. hollow earth and on the fence about alien autopsy. Um, Are these Q people? Okay. Say, say, maybe, maybe. Where, where are we going with this? I so okay. Hollow Earth thing is what again? I'm sorry. Um. Well, it's it's sort of a lot of it's a lot of different things, but we'll, for our purposes, we'll just say it's the theory that there is not in fact a molten core to the Earth, but there is in fact a hollow Earth where where being where uh, depends who you ask, but people live inside the hollow Earth. So right, these are Q right, people, yeah. first of all, because Jews live there, and second of all, because <laughs> they don't. No, according to. Mm-hmm. No, they're not allowed in the Hollow Earth, Megan. <laughs> is, it the, is this is this the crab people from South Park? I don't know. <laughs> but, but also the like but, the well, um no the alien thing, right? That it's like you're looking for clues to the grand narrative of what will explain all this. Yeah, like I do think it's in line right. with Q people in that, like the sort of like the the Q people before the Q people were like the reptilians, right? Yes. That like they can that that amazing conspiracy that like all no 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 that not doesn't doesn't at all draw on thousand years of of uh, of, of anti semitic imagery. I don't know why anyone would would suggest that other than it clearly does. Um, but but like the uh, yeah that, like no that that that, that yes that like the, the 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 leaders like always the fucking queen always the queen of England always the queen of England uh, the Pope uh, you know that they're, Beyonce. Uh, they're uh, that they're yes Beyonce that they had been repl- either replaced by or always were reptilians I feel like yes so the, re- the re- reptiles they live in rock right so yeah so that's that's what this is it's the it's the, the reptilian overlord movement whatever the fuck you call that proto Q okay. right like yeah um what letter comes before Q uh, uh the keyboard won't help will it because it's not in order tab <laughs> comes before Q <laughs> tab yes that's right <laughs> I know the alphabet Q W tab Q W. Why aren't Jews allowed in the Earth's core? It really depends who you ask, because there's some hollow Earth. <laughs> there's some hollow Earth. Uh, there's a prominent hollow Earth theory about like it, it's like a ra- like it's it goes along with the racist alien theories, like the the like nor the aliens that had the spawned the Nordic race, uh, according to one theory, live inside of the hollow Earth uh, or inside of the hollow moon that's another one um these are cute so there's people. a lot of infighting in the movement yeah wait and they but they think it's good that the nordic race comes from or wait so is that good or bad that they like that they that the that the, the 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 blonde people come from the inside of the earth it also well not so not everybody thinks that's who's inside of there but for the people who uh-huh. do they us they diverge on the point of their friendliness to humans so oh, okay. some <laughs> yeah so there's both there's both a fascist and an antifa version <laughs> of the hollow even though there's nothing inside it contains multitudes of course yeah <laughs> uh. Cool. Thank you. I feel well. Is that it? Yeah, that's that's. We were just doing some. We were just doing some mashups. And thank you, thank they you. I should really be thankful you for mash-ups. letting me do this. <sighs> okay, it's all blood This has been better than dead. You can find me on Twitter at Tussersaurus, Katie at Katie Crywo, Tristan at TJ Schweiger. You can find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Better Red Pod, and email us 
at betteredpodcast at gmail.com. But only if you want to tell us something that we should abolish, but actually for real, yes, we should definitely abolish that. Our intro music is Love Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And next week, we will be discussing Janet Malcolm's The Journalist and the Murderer with journalist, professor, not murderer, and friend of the pod, Sebastian Stockman. And we'll be wrapping up our new journalism three-parter with the electric Kool-Aid acid test after that. So thanks, comrades. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked. When you're unwanted, streets are uneven when you're down.